Hello, and welcome to The Paralegal Voice. I'm Carl Morrison, the host of The Paralegal Voice, and I am recording live on location here from the 2019 NALA Conference and Expo in lovely Scottsdale, Arizona. You probably have heard my little intro about the first day, and and we're still in first day session here. And um, today's show, um, of course, is being sponsored by NALA, courtfiling.net, Legal Inc. and Serve Now, and truly we thank our sponsors for their generous support to the show. Joining me today is Jeffrey Wolf of Xylab. Um, Jeffrey, thank you so much. You and I met actually at Clock um, a few months ago. That's correct, in Vegas. Uh, in Vegas. And um, he is actually um, here with Xylab mm-hmm. um, as one of our exhibitors in the exhibit hall. And he and I, he and I got to talking and I said, hey, Jeff. I would love to interview about e-discovery. Um, I love e-discovery. I'm a nerd. Me too. Um, <laughs> good. So it's a nerd nerd conversation right. here. Um, so Jeffrey, thank you so much for coming on today's show. Greatly My pleasure, appreciate Carl. it. Thanks. Um, so before we get into the meat and potatoes of the interview of e-discovery, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background? Sure. So I wouldn't say I have the traditional uh, e-discovery background. Uh, I've been uh, with Xylab now for almost five years. Uh, Prior to that, I spent a great deal of time on the IT side of the world, more in enterprise content and search. So a lot about documents, but not specifically the legal aspect of documents. Uh, But I kind of fell in love with eDiscovery when I joined the organization. So Fantastic. Kind of deep-dived into it. Um, I have been, and of course listeners know, I've been a paralegal for 27 years. And um, I don't want to say my age because I was three when I started as a paralegal. So, right, yeah, do the math. Um, But um, technology has, in the 27 years, greatly advanced. And so much has happened in my short 27 years of experience. And I recognized early on the importance of understanding and knowing technology and, you know, staying on top of and and as technology has developed. Because even when I first started to where it is now... Two totally different worlds. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about discovery. So let's kind of hop into um, the topic. So if I have a new paralegal listening to the show or maybe someone that's new to e-discovery, you know, what is e-discovery? When we say e-discovery, what does that mean to someone that's totally green to it? Right. So electronic discovery. Uh, is really just the, uh, the continued practice of discovery of ESI, or electronically stored information. So it's really no different than, as I like to talk to people uh, about the old days of banker boxes and armies of attorneys or paralegals doing document review in a room in the basement. It's not different in any way in terms of process. It is different in terms of technology. So primary communications today in 2019... Are, are electronic. Email is the largest portion of any electronic discovery case, typically. And so most communication is email-based. Uh, but you also have a large variety of electronic documents, loose files, that would be part of it. And so uh, it's very much the same as traditional discovery in that you still have to sort out your documents, you have to be able to review them, and you have to be able to uh, tag, classify, redact, and produce them. Right. One thing that I tell students, paralegal students that I teach, and also uh, individuals that company work for, that you have to remember every click of a mouse is creating evidence. It's creating a trail. It's creating data. We'll talk about what data is, but people don't think about, you think about your cell phone, 
And an iPhone is virtually a mini computer. And everything that you do, the apps, the processes behind how an app even operates is creating a trail. It's creating that e-discovery that could be potentially relevant to a matter. And so it, it's all about the electronic. It's and, and you bring up smart devices, and those are even more difficult and challenging from an electronic discovery standpoint because they deal in ephemeral data. So we talk about, we talk about email, which is you send it and it's done. Um, I mean, release files, recreate documents, those are done when you create them. You can still make modifications to them, but that's a different version. You start talking about things on social media, SMS, iMessage, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of those things have started to become discoverable and they're ephemeral, so they can change, they can disappear. It's not quite the same, so it also prevent, presents challenges in the, in the discovery world. We could have a whole, I was going to say, a whole different discussion about that world and e-discovery, but we'll keep it kind of okay. high, high level here. So um, when talking about e-discovery and the same process, whether it's a paper process or the electronic version, litigation in the civil lit world, you know, the process of discovery, of doing that process of getting data and looking at it and reviewing it. So. Where does and and how when does the e-discovery process start? Oh, it begins. It depends on where uh, what what is involved, but essentially it's it's always the same. If there's any litigation or the pretending litigation, uh, the thought there there might be litigation. So it obviously always starts with a litigation hold. Um, if you even perceive that there's a, a, a whiff that you might actually be involved in litigation, you have an obligation under the law to preserve your data. As opposed, you know, the FRCP tells us that, and. Uh, that's mostly electronic now, so you have an obligation to hold and notify all of the custodians within your organization that they have to hold their data. That's done electronically typically now. Sometimes it's done as archaically as with Excel spreadsheets and emails, and sometimes it's done with programs specifically designed for that purpose. Um, but beyond that, then it's a matter of preserving the content. It's a matter of collecting the content up with any filtering or culling you want to do, processing it. We can get into deeper discussions about processing, e-discovery processing, and then bring it into an environment where you can review it, you can redact it, you can tag it, you can classify it, and you can produce it. Same as, a, as if you were going to do, right, old-fashioned pulling out a piece of paper and taking out a black marker to redact exactly. it. You know, exactly. And, and that's the thing. I, I like to talk to attorneys and paralegals about the fact that it's not scary because it's not really different than what they're used to. It's just a different media. Right. Right. Exactly right. You, you mentioned data. Yep. You know, Big what scary it, word. It is a big scary word. Yeah. And people go, what is data? Everything you know, is data. Everything is data. So what is it? Sure. So any electronic storage of information is probably the easiest way to describe it. And data can, kind of runs the gamut. I had a conversation. Uh, obviously, we talked about emails and loose files, uh, things on your smartphone. But data can be anything. I had a conversation with an attorney a few months ago where she said she was involved in litigation where the sensors in smart concrete were uh, responsive to the case. And they had to collect the information from the smart sensors in the concrete. That's data. Um, anything you do in this world creates data. So, and of course, with it and the advances in technology, the data, as we call it, data wave, constantly increases. So there's more and more data and it becomes more and more difficult to manage it. Right. You and I were talking before we got started, and you mentioned owning a Tesla. Yes. If I hope that's yes. okay to mention it's that. It's <laughs> fine. But, but a big Tesla fan. Tesla, if you think about the system, the operating system, name any newer automobile. The computer system is 
creating data. Absolutely. People don't think about, you know, 20 years ago, it, it was becoming more common that cars were having what were known as the black boxes, the computers and the, the black box that was recording the braking speed and things like that. Well, now there's so many different sensors on a car that's measuring so many different things that that stuff is relevant and it is important, potentially to an MBA case, a products liability case, such when you're dealing with the manufacturer of an automobile, things of that, things of that nature. So yeah, data, data's everywhere. Yeah, in addition to the, the standard tele telemetry in the car. I mean, my car is covered in cameras, LIDAR, and radar sensors. So it's incredible the amount of data it's, it's creating. It's scary. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The amount of data. The amount of data that's out there. Think about uh, devices like uh, Amazon Echoes and Google Home devices that are recording uh, voice snippets in your house. That's data, too. Well, and I'm even looking at my rocket book that I've got here in front of me that while it's a paper format and I can write on it, I use my phone to take a picture and it automatically uploads to a respective area that I tell it to, that I've already pre-programmed it to automatically go and that whole trail of the photo on my phone uploading specifically to a, a respective location is all being, all those steps that's happening that I go click, click, click and that's done. Yes. All that's data. And we'd be remiss if we talk about data and not talk about metadata. Right. So, I mean, we, we say that metadata is simply the data about data. Um, and that's the most important thing, effectively, because me metadata is what helps us identify that the documents that we have are authentic and untampered. Um, yeah, you, you think about, go back to the, I keep using the iPhone because it's one of the most common, um, right, and photographs that you take. If you have not set your settings to hide a lot of different data, a photograph will reveal potentially the actual location of where you were at oh, when you took the photograph. Yep. And After it's that, everything. right. And so, yeah, it's, it's Big Brother watching. <laughs> the um, <clears throat> you know, perfect example is if you have Google Maps on your phone. Uh, the, there's a timeline function that is on by default. And I actually like it. I leave it on by default. And it's, it's helped me in a number of cases where I had to go back and retrace my steps on something. But you can go back by calendar months in the past, and it will show you where you were based on the location of the phone at the time. So it'll show your path for the day. And any pictures you took in line with when you took them and where you took them. It's fascinating and scary. And it's funny that, you know, so many different, it when we talk about e-discovery, people think, oh, well, it's only respective to a products case or an MBA case. Family law cases are affected by the very issue of tracking and being able to see where the phone was at at certain times of the day can be relevant to a, you know, family law type matter. So it touches all the areas, virtually all areas of law could be e-discovery is relevant too. It so. used to be the, the realm of simply litigation, but I think that's changed a it's, lot. It's changed a lot. So how does the process work for e-discovery? So, if you could kind of yeah. briefly talk, you know, high level. high level. So at, the high, at a high level, any e-discovery is typically going to follow what we call the electronic discovery reference model, the EDRM. And so that just means uh, you have some sort of information governance up front, or maybe not. <laughs> depending <laughs> on the company. Depending <laughs> on the company. And I've talked to everything across the spectrum. Uh, but you, you identify the documents you're going, you need. So whether they may be in play or not. Uh, you collect them up and you process them so we can get deeper into processing. And then you uh, analyze them. And that could be done through um, assisted review or artificial intelligence or machine learning. It's a whole other topic. Uh, 
and you review them, and then you produce them. And it's a very straightforward step. And sometimes there are cyclical parts to it where you have to come back and do multiple iterations. So it's processing and, and we're going to talk about that, sure. talking about the actual processing. Um, again, my geekdom comes out when we talk about it because it just fascinates me when you actually start talking about processing and getting the data and inserting it and re to, in order to even review it. So let's talk about how does the data get processed? When you say process, processing, yeah. what does that mean? So that's my favorite part. Um, processing is a, is a very broad term. So it can mean a lot of things. Uh, but ultimately, in an e-discovery world, what it means is you've taken your data from disparate sources often, and you have uh, collected it up, and uh, you are doing a number of things. You are deduplicating the data. Obviously, you don't want to review the same document multiple times. If you and I sh send an email back and forth, we don't need, you don't, returning doesn't need to look at two copies of it. Um, it is denisting, so without getting too geeky, the uh, National Institutes of Standards and Technology publishes a list of all the software that is standard off the shelf out there. Uh, and so the NIST list is uh, all of those files and lets you strip that out of your, your matter. Uh, it is um, hashing documents. So that's how we create a digital fingerprint, if you will, uh, where we can identify what a unique document is. So we create a digital fingerprint. Uh, it is threading. So that, you know, again, back to the email conversation, you don't necessarily want to review um, Carl and I going back and forth about what we're going to do in the, the day. You want to see the whole thing as one thread, one conversation. That's important. Uh, but it can be a lot of other things. So uh, we do enrichment during processing. So we do uh, you know, what we call professional text mining, where we can extract the entity information out of a document. So not only show you that uh, Apple, the computer company, was mentioned in the document, but we can actually identify that it's Apple computers, not Apple the fruit. That's important. Um, uh, identifying the language of a document. So if you need machine translation, it can be done. Um, identifying uh, unique communication of email. So if the message was sent between uh, key custodians or internally within a company or externally within a company, identifying that information. So all of that is part of processing and a bunch more. Uh, again, a whole other... <laughs> we can have about 10 different shows. Uh, and maybe I need to do that. Maybe I need to have, you know, um, kind of a... Um, sequence of multi-part on e-discovery because there's a lot to it and I'm sure some of you listeners are listening to this and you're probably thinking holy free holies if you don't have any experience to it it may be a little scary and so some of what Jeff is talking about and, and Jeff you can chime in accordingly but you know it, it's not scary there are people such as yourself and individuals and and companies and even classes in community colleges that help paralegals and lawyers understand e-discovery because it's it, you shouldn't be afraid at this age and this time you can't be afraid of e-discovery no and it's what's great was I, i've spoken with a number of paralegals today here at nala and a lot of them are saying that, that oh e-discovery that's that's the next big buzzword and i'm like well it's not really the next big buzzword <laughs> it's been here for a while but it's good that you're learning about it. and there are a lot of them are they're they're taking classes on it they're taking continuing uh, legal education credits on it uh, and that's fantastic um, and we're also starting to see, which is really nice, um, is we're seeing law schools start teaching e-discovery. Yeah. Finally, to me, finally. I, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I spoke a few months ago. I was asked by a, a professor at a Michigan State University to, to speak at their, uh, on their e-discovery class and talk to the potential, you know, the budding attorneys about e-discovery tools. And that's great to see that, that that kind of education is taking place now. 
attorney that I work for um, actually speaks to a local law school on legal technology because it's now part of the curriculum in law school. And um, I know a lot of paralegal programs have a standalone, it's a semester-based, you know, 16-week course of whether it be e-discovery or even like legal technology more than Word. And it's everything that touches in the legal community uh, from e-billing to, you know, e-discovery. Oh, to case management. Case management, everything. Absolutely. Yeah, and you, you really can't get ahead at this point without at least understanding the technology right. landscape. Right. Um, so for a vendor like yourself, um, what is your biggest challenge um, when you work with attorneys and paralegals um, who may not be technology proficient and I'm because I am a nerd and I have stayed up on technology as time has progressed not everybody is a nerd and a geek like us (laughs) so some people don't stay on top of it and then they go oh wait what is this about? What is e-discovery about? You know, so what's your biggest challenge when you in, encounter and, and face with that? I would say it's the, uh, what I like to call the, I can't, I don't have time to stop digging with my hands to use this shovel you want me to use, right? It's the, I know these tools will help me and will be faster for me, but I don't have time to stop and learn how to use that. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest challenge because we, uh, we often find, we run a workshop, we uh, come in for three hours and we will let attorneys on a hands-on capacity do a, a short exercise where they have to do a keyword search for a specific topic that we've given them. And they have to hunt and peck and find their way to, to a bunch of documents that are relevant. And then we switch the exercise and we teach them how to do the same thing with artificial intelligence and see how much faster it is for them to get the right set of documents when they never come close with keyword search. And the difference is amazing. The light bulb goes off. But they have to be willing to give up the time just to even sit in the workshop. So that's a challenge. And, you know, I think it's vitally important for paralegals especially um, because we are the behind the scenes um, drivers of understanding technology and helping educate our attorneys that we work for. And I think it's vitally important for a paralegal to come and take classes like you talk about, um, to when you come to a NALA conference or any legal conference, if there are vendors like yourselves, go and you don't know, go talk to we're, we're Jeffrey real, Wolf. Exactly. You know, we're here to educate. We're, you know, that's, that's our primary function. Right. So. Exactly. So um, I got a fun question. I always have to have a fun or funny question to ask. So Jeffrey Wolf, if you had a movie made about you and your life, who would play the part of Jeffrey Wolf? <laughs> who would you want to see in the lead of Jeffrey Wolf? Uh, this is incredibly challenging. Today's actors or uh, any actor? Any actor, actually. I'll Ooh. say any actor. <clears throat> well, I would love it for, for it to be Harrison Ford. Not today's Harrison Ford. <laughs> but like, 1977 Star Wars Harrison Ford. But um, Why? I gotta ask why. Uh, because I would like to think that that's the type of lifestyle I had, but it's not. <laughs> so my listeners, he does not have the um, you know scar on his chin. No. So no. he's not been cracking a whip at anybody. That's he right. Didn't rescue any damsel in a tomb. No. To. No. <laughs> Just a family man. <laughs> Well, Jeff, thank you so much. We've come to the end of today's show. I really want to say thank you so much for taking the time to meet and talk about. And definitely, we may have to have a multi-part 
uh, series on e-discovery. So um, definitely. So um, if anybody wanted to follow you on any social media or get in contact with you, maybe had particular questions um, about you or your company, how would they get in contact with you? Uh, absolutely. So um, again, pleasure to be here, Carl. Uh, of course, if you're reaching out from the company, Zylab.com, Z-Y-L-A-B. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter, at Jeffrey Wolf. Easy to find me. And uh, that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. And that's all the time we have for this episode of the Paralegal Voice here from the NALA Conference in Scottsdale. Um, of course, this show is brought to you by the generous support of NALA, courtfiling.net, Legal Inc., and ServeNow. And again, thank you, sponsors, so much for uh, being a support to our show. And thank you, listeners, to tuning in to today's show. Definitely, um, if you like what you heard, please rate and review us uh, in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting application. Um, I'm Carl Morrison, host of The Paralegal Voice. And if you have questions, um, definitely reach out to the, me and send them to devotedtolaw at gmail.com. That's D-E-V-O-T-E-D, the number two. LAW at gmail.com. So definitely, listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. And until next time, thanks for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.